Hello all, this is Blonde Hair Girl. Yesterday I was having this conversation with somebody at at work. We were talking about relationships like men and and just really got me to not necessarily thinking a lot about it but I I had it's the middle of the night or it's really early in the morning and I had woken up from a dream about somebody um somebody that I that I had loved like a very long time ago uh I had been thinking about him a little bit recently I I don't know why every you know just sometimes you know people just come to your mind and and his expectations of me and who I was when I knew him and I had um had met him at a at a retreat I was I was a very I was a practicing Catholic when I was really young. Um, like in my my life until I was, I I was a Catholic until in my thirties. I think it was around thirty three that I that I abandoned all of my Catholic beliefs. Well, I I can't say I abandoned all of them, but but what happened was is that I had I had separated from my husband and had filed for divorce and he had gone to the church for an annulment and so I got this letter in in the mail and I opened it and I read it and basically an annulment based on my incapacity to marry that I was like out of my mind like I wasn't mentally able to actually be married and I was so incredibly (laughs) upset I remember I I had gone to see this this priest about it or I called this priest about it I was like really upset he was my favorite priest incidentally I found something like when I was packing, I found something. He had passed away not that long ago, but he was my favorite priest, and he was just like, you know, oh, well, it's the best thing. Don't even worry about it. It's like it frees you. So I guess I wasn't married to the father of my two children, (laughs) two of my children. We weren't married uh, because I had the incapacity to marry. Um but so I was a practicing Catholic and I this is when I was before I met um, the man that I had been married to um, I I had had gone to this retreat it was really out of nowhere that I met him because I was I was like in the middle of like breaking up with a boyfriend that I had been with for like three years and um like at the end of like we were in this really weird limbo land and I go on this retreat and I 
and I see this guy and I'm just like dumbfounded like I had never seen like such a person I mean he he was just like beautiful (laughs) I mean he really was and the next thing I he I mean we didn't really talk that much I was very shy and quiet and um I remember sliding into the back seat of the car and when I was when I was younger I really was very trusting of God like in this very strange way I had a very I, I, I can't remember when I didn't have a very close relationship with God. I was very close with God. And I, and there was something in me that told me not to worry about it. And so I just really hadn't been thinking about him. And then I got this letter in the mail. He sent a letter to my parents, to my house. And, um, and I called him and we were together, I don't know how many years, a little bit off and on, partly because of just things that I was going through. Um, but anyway, um, and, and it sort of, and it, and it came up against like so much for me, that particular relationship, because I hadn't hadn't had the opportunity to have an original thought my entire life from my parents. And I'm not talking about original thought from like the, the field of knowledge. I'm talking about like actually having an original thought that was not like my parents. Like... I had two incredibly strict parents. Like, this is the way it is. You're a Catholic. You have to live by the tenets of the Catholic Church. And you're a Republican. You know, there's no options for you. Like, like I never had an original thought. And, and, <laughs> but then when I think about it, so I, I went to ASU for a very brief amount of time that I don't really want to get into very much, but I, I got into a little bit of trouble um, with my own original thought. But it was the best thing that had ever happened to me because I it changed me in such a way that I nobody would be able to convert me to that stream of what I consider fundamentalist Christianity. Like, I, nobody would ever be able to change my mind on that because I experienced it. I experienced fundamentalism, like extreme fundamentalism, um, in my early 20s. And I, and I abandoned it very quickly, what they call deconstructing now, all over the social media, deconstructing my Christianity. And so I de- deconstructed years ago. <laughs> and so, and so, um, and so, uh, but I had that stint and then I, I, um, but so, 
this this person that I this boyfriend that I absolutely adored like he didn't like he would ask me these questions and I couldn't answer them because I I I was young I was young and inexperienced and I didn't know anything about life I knew nothing (laughs) I had hardly even been out of Arizona driven to Oklahoma every summer to visit family. I'm like, what what was the expectation that I was going to be like him who grew up with a professor as a dad and 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 experience and somebody who would encourage original thought. So we grew up in two totally different worlds and I and I I also had no idea um, about the inner dialogue that was going on with me. Like, I had no idea about that, um, that I, you know, and I never talked about all these thoughts that I was always having. Um, I didn't, and I also, like, for better or worse, my mother really raised me to rely on my my looks rather than my brain to attract mates which was the only purpose of my life aside from becoming a virtuoso violinist which was another one of her dreams for me and I love my mother and I really came to peace with it and she's very much present with me today even though she's not in this plane she's in the next but uh, I mean, I was raised to be this little Catholic girl, and I did. I married, I ended up marrying a Catholic boy, a Republican Catholic boy, and it all looked really great on paper. But I, I so I get into this role, the this role of wife and mother. And, and I'm, I'm, I don't know how to describe it, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a shell. I'm a, a mask. I'm a, I'm a, I, I just, I was so dreadfully unhappy. Um, with just, just this role of, um, housekeeper and and I was just simply the maid and I felt like I really didn't have any say like some women may be a lot more um, assertive even um, almost aggressive in their relationships or their marriages with men Christian men, let's just say this, but I wasn't like that. And so, and so I, I really did like take on a lot of this role of obedience. And, and most things I didn't really care about, but every once in a while, there was something that I really cared about. 
I'm having this remembrance, this really strange remembrance about how I wanted something. I wanted a, a chair for a, a vanity and, and how this was late in the mar in that particular marriage. Um I wanted this vanity chair and and um and he he had this habit of doing this thing that I know that he does to his current wife as well. So I find it so interesting. But he just wouldn't answer. He would say things like, do you need it? And, and he just wouldn't answer. He wouldn't answer the question. Like, you know, like, I don't know why I had to ask him if I could buy this chair, but I guess I had to ask him. And, and then he just wouldn't answer. And then I just would never get the chair. So about 10 years ago, <laughs> I'm just making this parallel. I see this chair, this vanity chair, because I had this little area in my bathroom in my last, the last place I, the place I still own, um, that I needed a vanity chair and I found one and I bought it and I have it. And there it is. This was one of the things about being a single woman that I liked. I didn't have to ask anybody if I could buy something. I'm not talking about little things, but You know, I mean, just having to talk to somebody about a purchase or, you know, I just, I don't have to do that. I can do whatever I want. And I can be, I can, I remember like one, one man that I was with, you know, I was talking about like, <laughs> like I, I wanted to buy, there was some event we were going to and I wanted to, you know, go to a store, buy a prop or something for that event. And he goes, well, why don't you go to a secondhand store? Why don't you go find something vintage? And I am a very, a person who loves vintage. I do. I buy, I, a number of my items are vintage, but coming from him who bought all of his clothing like he was like a Tommy Bahama guy you know um you know so him telling me to go to a vintage store to me was an insult <clears throat> to me it felt like you're not worth the amount of money that it would cost for you to go to a nice store to buy a nice dress you're not worth that you should go to a vintage store. He may not have meant it that way, but that's how I heard it. So now I don't have to talk to anybody about what I buy. I don't have to worry about that. So getting back to, to, um, to, the marriage itself. And it wasn't that I didn't love my children because I did, but, and, and I found that my third child really got a different side of me than my first two, because when they were, I separated from their dad when they were like almost 
I was four and two. I mean, my daughter was still in diapers when I... I don't want to get into to that. I just I had this thought that I don't want to say out loud. Um, but so I had been in fire flight for a very long time. So in there, you know, they got a couple years of me, you know, because even in the marriage, I was in fight or flight. And So it it was it was coupled with a few things. This this lack of control over my life. And this this really like um we were very opposite on on raising the kids. I mean, not as opposite as somebody else that my second, um, the person that I had a child with, um, who I ended up marrying. Um, he and I were much more opposite, which is, which is 70% of the reason why I left him was that my second husband was that I didn't agree with the way that he believed in raising kids. Our parenting styles were way too different. And he would probably call me permissive, and I don't care. You can call me permissive if you want to. But my first husband, like, like it was more so that he would, we would agree to something. So we would agree... To, let's just give an example. We would agree to not give our child Oreo cookies. And then he would sneak the child Oreo cookies behind my back. He would do that kind of stuff. <laughs> he was a really sneaky person. <laughs> so he would do these little sly things behind my back. And I, you know, and it's like, I don't even know how to address this. You know, it was like multiple things. It wasn't just one thing he did. Oh, yeah, I won't do that again. Oh, no, it was just an ongoing thing that he was sneaky. And he's sneaky with his present wife as well. <laughs> People don't really change, do they? They just find somebody who's more willing to, or maybe maybe she's sneaky too. What do I know? Um, but, but, um, so what is happening right now that I am seeing is this, this, there's this, this, because I don't think that all men are like this, but there is this whole type culturally of men who are sort of railing against what they perceive to be feminism. And and I guess I guess there's been all this talk against the Barbie movie. Because Barbie dared to have a life of her own. 
she did she she wasn't like the dutiful wife in character she dared to have a career and for some reason these men don't think that a woman should have a career that her purpose in life is to stay home have children and take care of him and the children in the house that this is her duty her duty is to to take on this role and and do it well <laughs> i'm thinking of the the show mad men this is like a perfect example in a way you know and just i can't remember the name of the character of the main one of the main character's wife but every day he came home and she was dressed to the nine i mean she was beautiful so he came home to this beautiful wife to this male to the kids all you know everything was perfect And so, and so, you know, like these men, like, like, you know, Tate, can't remember his first name right now. Um, really can't remember it. Um, but I think it's Ben Shapiro, who is this other anti-feminist, you know, and, and he, and he thinks that, um, you know, like this, supposedly this whole idea of the high quality man and he can choose. He has choices. You know, and so he can choose. And so he can just choose a woman who is like this. So he wants to find a young woman like I was who didn't ever have an original thought. Because he doesn't want his woman to have an original thought. And this isn't really, like, to me, none of this is about love. None of it is about love. It's not about the qualities of that person. That that, that, per, that person has. That, that you treasure. I treasure her because she's... She has these amazing characteristics about herself. There's none of that. It's just she looks good on paper. She's, a, she's like a Christian or a Jew or whatever. I don't know what Ben Shapiro is, but as, as in I don't know if he's Christian or not. I don't know. But I don't know hardly anything about him, except I've seen a few little snips about him, and I very unspiritually consider him a pompous ass, which is not a nice thing to say. I know I'm not supposed to say mean things about people, but that's just my impression, and I don't know if it's true. Maybe he's not a pompous ass, but it's a term that my dad used to use. <laughs> So 
So back to the conversation I was having with my friend uh, or my coworker yesterday. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I just don't see, I mean, like, and, and, and maybe it's because I'm not seeing it or maybe I'm just not putting myself in the right positions. Like I, you know, okay, so like, where do I meet men? Like, men who are eligible that are that are open that are into or wanting a a relationship okay where do I you know I'm not going to go to dating websites I'm not going to do that um so where do I meet men you know um you know but what I was saying was I just don't see very many of them that are really working on themselves. Like, and I, and I guess I could say like these men, like kind of on social media or, um, or, you know, cause that's where I see some men or like even in the communities that I have, you know, and I'm living in a new community, but like even in this new community, and I haven't really had the opportunity to like, you know, or I'm not really in the zone. I'm really not. But of, you know, potential partners. <laughs> but I don't see that many men that are really working on themselves. You know, like, like even to go to the farmer's market, I'm like, I'm like picking out my outfit. Like I'm the way that I, just the way that I present myself in the world is, is like significant. Just the way I present myself. Uh, and, and so I'm, I, I just don't see that many men who, like and 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 I guess I just haven't put myself in in that a situation to be able to see men like that, you know that actually you know professional men or I don't know, but I'm relying on God to bring unto me the person that I would enjoy being with. But I've already said this, and I'm just going to say it again. But I think that the thing that I really like the most about Guy, this person that I have been admiring or crushing on or whatever you want to call it for the last five years, is that he was definitely someone who was striving for excellence and had achieved that. That was one of the things that I really like about this person that I don't find in other people that have been in my physicality very often. Like I, most of the men that I'm, that have come in, actually come into my physicality have 
I mean, I'm not saying that they're they're not striving for anything. I mean, they're they they're in their business or whatever, and they do their thing. But are they striving to do anything like really extraordinary? No, I mean it's just. Um, and and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just that I am. I am. Like, you know, I was also telling this person, you know, that I, this coworker, you know, I said, I don't talk about this very much, but it's like I have this whole private life. You know, like that I had this experience and I wrote this book and, um, and, you know, that I'm going to be speaking at a, at a conference and I'm really excited about it. And I'm going to Washington DC for that. And I'm currently writing a nonfiction novel and, and I'm, you know, I have this whole private life of, of, basically using i guess myself as an example because i i that's all i have in a way but of how we actually create our life it's like i want to i want to like actually prove through my own life that this is actually the way that we create a life is through intention. We intend a life into being. We write a life into being. We imagine a life into being. I mean, I I can't even believe that I'm here where I'm sitting. Like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh my God, I I had dreamed of being here for five years. I had I had not constantly but like I I looked I'd I'd gone on to websites and looked things up and and I was so excited to to about this new life and now I'm living it. It took it took longer than I would like. <laughs> it took 5 years but I'm here. And it's and it's so weird because like now it's like I don't really care that it took five years like I did when it seemed to go come along on a snail's pace as what I call it. But now I don't care that it took five years. Like I'm totally, but I'm here, and this was created out of my imagination, and so I. I am, and it's like, and I'm at a job that I'm really liking with a staff that I really like, you know, doing something, and I'm getting paid, you know, better than I've ever been paid in my life, and and I'm finishing my book, and I'm, and I'm, my life is just amazing. <laughs> And then I sit there and I'm like, the only thing that I like right at the very moment is the same thing is that this, this 
connection with this particular person just eludes me. And I don't know, there's some people say that you should never, you should never do that, that you should never like have it be like a certain person, like trying to manifest a certain person. Like there's some schools of thought that say you should never do that because everything is based on volition, you know, and, and, you know, and I mean, it is starting to occur to me, like maybe this guy has no idea who I am. I mean, it's possible. I, I don't think that's the case. But I mean, it's possible that he has no idea who I am. But I mean, I have dreams and I and I and I feel like I feel I really feel like my writing is where it's at. I'm very excited about this, this thing that I'm writing right now. Um, I mean, it's coming along and it was, and I had done the rough draft. I had felt like, but then I, I felt like it wasn't quite right. And so now I'm rewriting parts of it. But, and this, this theme of this podcast is a little bit in the book. And I'm wondering if I need to, to expand on it a little bit because I think it's important in this day and age that we move away from these ideologies and move toward love. Because what they're talking about in this this idea that this person needs to be this certain, you know, as I'm saying that my guy needs to be striving for excellence. I'm laughing. I'm seeing the hypocrisy in that even as I'm saying this. But, but, but that this woman would just stay, stay home and, 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 and serve this role in my life is not the same as I'm thinking of Brian Rose of London Real, how he was, I heard this, he, t- he talked about this story where he saw this girl in a shop. And then he went back and he, and he got the, the nerve, he like had to build up the nerve to ask her out. And now she's his wife. That's totally different. That is a relationship that's based on love. Not these relationships where where a guy decides, you know, it she's basically he's looking for a basically a trophy wife who's going to just do his bidding and have no brain and have no original thought and just that's slavery. That is slavery. And then he wants to say, well, she gets to drive in the Corvette. She gets to wear the ring. She gets to, but none of that is about her. She's not going to own the car. It's not a, it's not a partnership. 
It's a one-over ship. It's a power ship. <laughs> it's, it's not love. And do I believe, I believe that the men in my life loved me as much as they could. But do I believe they really loved me? No, I don't. I think that I, I would just, I served a purpose in their life. And then when I wasn't there, they just found a, another person to serve that purpose in their life. It's what I think now. <laughs> where I was sitting there and I, I'm not really sure where I was at with it all. But I know where I'm at with it all now. And, and I, I have no reason whatsoever to, to have anything like what I ever had in my life before. Because I have, I have many original thoughts, and I'm not talking about original from the quantum field because I don't believe we actually have. I don't act, we don't have original thought. Everything is from divine intelligence. Everything. We just, we just dip into it, and then we think that it's our thought, and it's not our thought. It's not our idea. This is what I believe now. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but um, it's just what I believe now <laughs> with all that I've experienced in the last few years. But anyway, I feel a little bit unsatisfied with this in that I feel like I had, haven't gone, like, I guess I haven't found the heart of exactly what I'm trying to talk about minus the fact that I think think that it would be better if our relationships were based on love. Um, but I just think that it's significant in this time, like for women, where so much is happening right now as far as, I mean, they make it this trite thing, these reproductive rights. They call them reproductive rights. But the whole idea of birth control and a woman having a say over having a child or not having a child is huge. And I think that men don't understand it from a female perspective. They, it's, I think that it is real. It would be really challenging to understand, but like, like sit there and try to imagine in, in, in like even the best case that for some reason she just can't have that baby. Whether it be she's too young, she had sex with some kid. I mean, I mean, even consensual. She's 16, finds out she's pregnant. So she's supposed, she's supposed to have that baby. They're trying to force her to have that baby. You do the crime, you do the time, right? 
you go have sex with your boyfriend, you are saddled with a baby. And, and I just, I just believe that there are times where the most loving thing would be to actually end that pregnancy. I mean, and there's a lot of worse scenarios, you know, her brother raping her. <clears throat> rape doesn't always come. It, rape comes in different ways. Our stepdad, she becomes pregnant, so she's supposed to have that baby. They're suggesting that she has to have that baby no matter what. But the whole idea of birth control and and taking birth control so that one doesn't get pregnant, you know, I mean, they're, they're going after that too. Because they don't want women to have reproductive rights. For some reason, it's too much power for her to have a say over her body that way. Men would never think this way about their body. They've never had to. They, they didn't have to, to, white men didn't have to worry about the right to vote, the right to drive. They haven't had to worry about these rights. It's been, it's been people with any color in their skin and native people and women who have had to fight for rights in this country. Anyway, so there's my little soapbox. <laughs> anyway, I appreciate you guys listening. And I'll be back with other ideas. You know I will. And that's a wrap. <laughs>